Are you ready to take full control of your physical, emotional, and spiritual health? Are you ready to experience great success in your life? Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. will teach you the tools and strategies to help you take control of your health and inspire you to live your best life. Now here is your host, Dr. Diane A. Thompson, M.D. Welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. This is a show that is designed to inform and inspire you to a healthier lifestyle. I am your host, Diane A. Thompson, M.D., and as always, it is my pleasure spending time with you on this broadcast with the goal that perhaps you may learn something new that could take your health and your life to a higher level. As I tell you each week, the information presented on this broadcast is for educational purposes only. It is not intended for diagnosis or treatment. So please seek the help of your healthcare provider before making any changes to your health. You know, I've often shared with you my belief that health is not just a physical thing. I believe that health really includes all aspects of our lives. If you are physically healthy, but your relationships suffer, or you are struggling financially, or you are unhappy, or you have a passionless job, or a passionless marriage, you're not fully healthy in my mind. And so from time to time, I bring you interviews and stories of people who have been through things and have come out on the other side smelling like a rose. And I do that because I know that many of you are going through the same things. And the worst thing that can happen is you think that you're the only one who's going through this. And so tonight, And actually, this is going to be a two-part interview, and you really don't want to miss both. This is really an amazing woman. She is a firecracker in a good way and and just inspirational for a, a regular woman going about her business, going through trauma in life, and yet finding a way to brush herself off. And not only that, but she helps other people brush themselves off. And she has moved on to things that, you know, even now I I see her and I smile because I think it's beautiful. I would love that for all of you, my listeners, that you go through tough times and you come out and you brush yourself off and you go after your goals and dreams. And this is really just an inspirational story an inspirational interview, and I hope you stay with us for both parts. You'll listen to part one this week, and we'll continue with part two next week, and I promise you, you will walk away very inspired. So stay with us, and and again, come back for part two next week. After suffering many hardships and adversities, Ivet Jackson has taught us that it's not how you start, but it's how you finish. She grew up in poverty in Jamaica, was sexually molested as a child, experienced abuse in her marriage, and had near-death experiences. She was also diagnosed with breast cancer. And not only did this woman survive all of this, but she thrived and went on to become an actor, has appeared in many films, and we'll have her talk about some of these. She's also started modeling at age 56. I mean, this is amazing for a lot of people out there who are thinking about uh, starting life over at a later age. She's also a successful author of the book, The Journey a warrior's resilient spirit, and she is the producer of an award-winning film, 
Forgiveness Lesson of Life 101. Welcome to our show, my dear. I've been looking forward to speaking with you for so long because I think <laughs> your story, your story is so inspirational. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Diane. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, we have so much to cover because, as I said, in listening to your story, you know, one of the things that I've come across is that many times people have gone through life and they've been beaten up along the way. They've gone through many challenges and unfortunately for some, they stay down. Those challenges have defined them and they have not been able to make it out. But you made it out and you are doing so fabulously and I think that your story can definitely inspire others. So let us let us get started. First of all, tell me, with all that you've gone through, I mentioned that in the intro, what gave you the strength to thrive despite your adversities? <laughs> I love it. It is the Lord. I have a great, awesome, intimate relationship with the Lord. And without him, I could never walk through that valley of the shadow of death by myself. I would have got stuck down in the valley. But God gave me the strength, and I had my own that I have to do also continue. I had to be determined. I have to, you have to have a resilience. You cannot give up. You cannot look to the right nor look to the left. And whatever you do, never lose hope. Never. I like that. So resilient spirit, never lose hope, and definitely looking to God or for other people, whatever their source of spirituality is, look to that. Yeah. So now you left Jamaica 20 years ago. What was life like growing up in Jamaica for you? Yeah, well, I left Jamaica, I think it's, when I was 20 years old, I left Jamaica, and it's 42 years now since I've left Jamaica. Oh, wow, so it's yes. the other way around. I, you left Jamaica yes, right. yes, 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 I was 20 when I left, yes, and I went to the United States, and I went to nursing school, you know, and I worked, as, I worked for 37 years doing nursing. And then um, I moved to Florida, and when I moved to Florida, by the way, you know, when I was molested, I, had, I was 13 years old by my stepfather, and I blocked it out for near 40 years. I didn't remember a thing. It's when I finished nursing and I went to Florida and started working home health in Florida is when I remember everything, and that's when I start writing the first book. And another thing, when I was molested, I was impregnated, and an abortion was performing me, and I didn't know it. This is, uh, this is quite uh, interesting. So let's talk about that a little bit then. Um, prior to the molestation, and we'll talk about the molestation in a little bit, yes. um, was life happy for you? Were you? Did you have a happy childhood? Did you have a great relationship with your mother? Because I believe this was done by your stepfather, right? Yes, it was done by my stepfather. I had a great relationship with my mom because, see, I didn't remember, so I didn't get to con- uh, to, to speak about it with my mom, to discuss it. So during the time of remembering, I, re- I see that my mom known because occasionally for all her life, because she passed away now, she always said to me, forgive me. But I never knew forgive her for what? And I never asked because, you know, ask your mother. Mm-hmm. I'm from the old school. Right. What? Forgive you for what? So she did know, but Amazing. I didn't know. Amazing. Amazing. Uh-huh. So, so at age 13, 
you were molested by your stepfather and gotten pregnant from that. You don't remember any of that. So what triggered that memory? Good question. When I was, when I went to New York at the age of 20 and when I finished nursing school and went to work at the hospital, I met this, this young man met me and we started talk and court and he came to visit and introduced to my mom and we were watching television and on the news, the newscaster said, a young girl was molested by a family member. That's the first time it triggered. I said, oh, my God, that happened to me. And he turned to me and said, no, you're too much of a feisty person. You would have fight that person. It didn't, it didn't, and I put it right back into, a, into the deep well in the recesses of my mind, and I hid it there. And when I went to Florida, I was in my 40s when I start remember bits and pieces again bits and pieces over a long period of years. And when I finish, remember it, and, and it's confirmed by my cousin, the only person that could confirm it, because my mom died, my stepfather died, but in my remembrance, my cousin is in the picture all along. So I call her, we sit down, and she says, yes, everything you're remembering is true. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So she was, how was she involved? I mean, she saw it happening she, and didn't say anything how was she involved she's the one i was a little the reason i'm at my stepfather my sister left jamaica when i was 13 and she left her my grand her son with we're not the same father my sister and i so he's my stepfather and her son which is my nephew his grandson went to stay with his stepfather so my stepfather's wife then picked up and moved up because she don't want the responsibility to take care of his grandson. So then my stepfather came to my mother and asked me to come and take care of my little nephew and his little 10-year-old girl. That's how it happened. And when I went to take care of the children, that's when my stepfather molested me. So you're the your cousin who confirmed this. Like, how did she, she know? She came. Good question. I forget what. Uh, she came now because when he molested me and I'm pregnant and I don't know because I was throwing up and I thought because I had soft boiled egg that morning, so I thought it was the soft boiled as we call it, call egg back home, made me throw up. So she he called my cousin and my cousin came and she gave me concoction to drink and she said that. I need to catch a cold or something, and I should drink it. And if my period came back, I had just started seeing my period at 13. And she said, if your period come back, let me know. When you go to the toilet, let me know if you see any blood. And and anything you see, let me know. So I went, I drank the concoction, not knowing why I'm drinking it. I have a cold, she said. She's giving me a laxative. But I'll, now that I'm grown up and older, I know it was not a laxative she was performing. And she gave me something to perform an abortion because something like a blood clot came out in the toilet. And I ran. I look a 13-year-old girl, country, no nothing. And I ran and I told her my period came out because there's a clot in the bath, in the toilet. But by then now, you, we know now that that was the baby that started to form. That's why oh that was. Oh, my goodness. What, you yeah, know. So it's an, that's why she came in the picture. She's the one that gave me the concoction to drink. And I think she's the one that told my mom. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so she confirmed all of this. And this is amazing because you have all to wonder how many people are walking around with this kind of blocked out, uh, yes. blocked out traumatic event 
in their yes. memories, you know. So Trauma, now, yes. Yeah, now many years later when you now come to the understanding of what had happened, and as you said, your mom had passed away, your father, your stepfather had passed away, so you couldn't really confront him with it. Um, okay. Now that you were older, did it? Did you go through a period where you felt like you needed counseling or you needed therapy? I mean, now you're <laughs> coming, yeah, facing all of this. How did you go forward? I, let me tell you, when I was 40-something, and I remember, and it, it keeps up me, it doesn't go away. It's like every day I remember something, it was traumatizing. I broke, please excuse me, but I, it was a rage, rage come up inside of me. And I went, I looked for every glass that I, you drink, drinking glass, and I break every one in the wall. Every time I remember something, I was I break a glass on the wall. That's how I got up my anger. And then I heard a pastor say, if someone had hurt you and this person passed away, you can't confront them. Get a chair, put it there, and use it on the next chair, and have a whole conversation with that person. Because make believe that person sitting on the chair, I demolished the chair. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. In other words, I killed my stepfather. <laughs> well, not literally, because he's already dead. Yes, I demolished the chair. I did. Little Ivet. Yes, I did. This may be. I went for. Uh-huh. No, no, I was saying this may be something for uh, someone listening out there. You know, we don't think about it, but this happens much more often than many of us realize. We're young kids, and this is not just Jamaica. It's here in the U.S. It's in Africa. It's all over. Young girls that are being molested, and, you know, um, some of them, are not able to block it out for so many years. And so at 13 and 12 and 10, they're dealing with this trauma of, you know, this person imposing themselves on on this young woman and, of course, feeling so helpless and all of that. So some of them are dealing with that trauma now. And like you, some of them are dealing with it many years later. So this may be something that someone can use to help get themselves past that. So, I mean, this is definitely a teachable moment. So for a young woman that's out there that's been through this and probably, you know, is dealing with this rage that you talked about, if, if you now haven't gone through it, if you were to say to that person, listen, this is, this is what I would suggest for you, what would you say to someone? And may I say something before I answer you, Dr. Diane? It's mm-hmm. not only young girls, it's young boys also. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are correct about that. You are co- correct young, about that. Yes. Yeah. And, and sometimes male. I actually find that it's harder for them to deal with because of the way we're socialized Much in this society. Harder. Yes, yes, Much yes. harder. Yeah. Uh, what I would say to these men and women, young boys, young girls, male and female, old, middle aged and young, is that what happens to you does not define you. Say it again. Say it again. Say that again. We said it, and I said we're going to say it again. We said it together. (laughs) Believe me, that is a mantra of mine. Believe me. Yes, yes. Say it again, please. (laughs) Great minds work alike. We said it together. Say it again. (laughs) I'm going to tell you again, my family listening to me. What happens to you does not define you. God has already defined you, and God has already validated you. It is not your fault, and you didn't do 
anything for this trauma to happen to you. So your brush is not easy. It's easier said than done, but you got to make it one step at a time, one day at a time. Talk to your God. Talk to yourself. Look in the mirror. Tell yourself you're handsome. Tell yourself you're pretty girl, and you brush yourself off. Try it. Do it. Be determined. Be resilient. Be inspired and empowered, and you brush yourself off. You shrug your shoulder back. Girl, you get that nice dress on, and you put your makeup on, and you walk that walk. And young man, you put that nice shirt on and that nice pants, and you brush yourself off, pick yourself up with the help of God, and you keep it moving, and you go out there, you make it happen, because I know you have a vision. I know you have a goal that you want to succeed in for your life, and you go and make it happen, because you're that a victor, and you're not a victim. You're not a victim. You are a victor. Remember, God already validate you so nobody can't define you and nobody can't validate you because God already done that and it is yeah and amen I love it I love it, I love it. <laughs> because you know it, it is very unfortunate I bet that it is so true that many times uh, young kids and even adults you know people go through things and they let the thing define them. And so yeah. it, it, they stay in that place and, and never really uh, step out and become that victor that you talk about. So I really think it's important that you stress that. And I'm really happy that you are a testament to this, that, in fact, you can go through things. But it doesn't mean those things say anything about you. Brush yourself off. Learn the lessons because, you know, everything brings, brings lessons. So learn the lessons. Get better at who you are and move on. Don't let this thing keep you down forever. So what I'm no. going to do now is take a, a short break for our sponsors. And when we come back, boy, you went through so much in your life. As I said, you went through brush with death and abuse in your marriage and all of that, and, and only to start life over. And what an inspiration. So please, our listeners, stay with us. You don't want to miss the rest of this. And we'll be right back after the short messages from our sponsors. Listen to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. for tools and strategies to live a healthy, happy, and successful life. For details, go to drdianethompson.com. That's drdianethompson.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Dr. Diane A. Thompson. Welcome back. If you are just joining me, welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane MD. My guest today is the inspirational and amazing Yvette Jackson. And if you have not heard her story or read her story, you need to pick up her book. It is called The Journey, A Warrior's Resilient Spirit. Uh, this woman has been through hell and back, okay, and she, yes. and like I said, yep, not only did she survive, but she has thrived. And so uh, the second half of this program, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the other things she's been through. And as I mentioned at the top of the hour, this is going to be a two-part interview. And next week, she will share with us more about how she got started. You know, this woman started modeling later in life started acting later in life. After being through all of this, she turned her life around. And I know many of you out there are listening, and you may be going through something yourself right now, and you just don't know how to pick yourself up, how to start over. Maybe you haven't been through 
the things she has been through, but you're going through your own thing. And as I said, this woman's life is a great inspiration for you, and you can really learn something from it. So, Ivette, what is yes. this about this uh, brush with death? What happened? Well, I was on my way to church one Wednesday evening, and um, the car, you know, the car, I had the green light, and an 18-wheeler was coming from the opposite direction, and he took the light, and I end up underneath the 18-wheeler. The car was demolished, demolished. And God has saved me because, honey, when I woke up from being knocked out in the car, I was laying in a fetus position on the car seat. The armrest was up. This is as mad everybody can handle this because this is strong. The armrest was up, and I'm laying on this car seat in a fetus position. And when I open my eyes and see those two big things, because I've never seen an airbag before, I thought I'd die and went to heaven, and there were angels because I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I can laugh now. I can laugh yes. now because you're okay. But yes. <laughs> okay. So the, and wait, I'm wait. telling you, the airbag deployed. It, the airbag yeah. deployed. And yes. Thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> Both of them. And so I got up trying to get up, and the steering wheel was in my way. Because I saw myself, my car going under the 18 wheeler, and I even ducked my head. I ducked my head. And when I got up, the steering wheel was in my way because the, when the car went under the 18-wheeler, the eight, when it went through the, the front, the car front is long. It was a Lincoln Town car. You know how the front is long. And when it goes all the way under until iron it iron, which is the car iron and it, the engine, hit the iron and it, the truck, it pushes the steering wheel all the way back. I couldn't get up. I have to ease out my seat twirl around it and the door wouldn't open. The door was like crushed in half. The door was a half a door instead of a whole door. It, I, I pushed and I pushed and I'm telling you listeners that when I couldn't open the door, I heard it I lay back and like I'm tired and the car door started and when I looked, the car door cracked open and I pushed and come out and there was, this is heavy stuff, there was a man standing there with a outstretched hands and say, come. I felt like I had died and in the presence of God, the peace that was an angel who opened it. Michael the archangel, the warrior, opened the door for me. Everybody, everybody, the police, the ambulance man, the doctors in ER, everyone wants to know how did I get out of that car and I walked away, sit at the side of the, the road and the the man that drove the truck came over and said, I'm so sorry. And I said, didn't you see me? And everybody, a lady ran and poked me in the shoulder with a finger and wants to know, who was in the car with you? I told her, is that the Lord and a host of angels? I didn't get one scratch. The car is totally, you should, I wish I had a picture to, I should have, oh, I can't see it. I forget, I'm not on TV. And the car was totally demolished. When I when the ambulance came, they want to know where is the per, the driver because they, they're supposed to be cutting me out of that car. And they said she's over there sitting down where the crowd is. And they came over and they said, who is the driver of this car? And they said she is. And they look around. It's about that car. Who was driving that car? They said she was. And they they were almost faint. 
they went went to the ambulance, they did my vital signs, everything was normal. And they look at each other and say, what is it? They say, it's normal. How could you be in an accident like this and be norm- with normal vital signs? They say, let me tell you, God himself worked this miracle. This is a miracle you're looking at. That's why my vital signs. I walked to the ambulance. When I went to ER, the police came now, and the police wanted to go examine the car and the truck. And when I was in ER, extremely from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, they doesn't find one crack of nothing in my body. The police came, and he fell into ER because by this, he finished um, inspecting the car, and he realized that the paint of my car is underneath the truck. And he wants to know one thing. How did you get out from underneath the truck without your head being decapitated from this accident? I said, God himself worked a miracle and saved me. He said, somebody got to be watching over you. The doctors, they were like in awe because I'm supposed to be one of those patients that you're wheeling in emergency to go direct straight to OR. But I didn't do that because God has saved me. He saved me. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. I think in looking at your life, Ivette, just looking from, you know, where you've come, and we still haven't talked about everything that you've Uh been through, that your life itself is a miracle. And maybe, you know, you still had work left to be done. Um, I have a lot of work left to do for the Lord. That's why he spared me. That's why he saved me. And to tell my story. How long huh? ago was this accident? That was 2001. Mm-hmm. Wow. wow. Long time well, ago. Yeah, I am, I am glad. And so you walked away from it with no, yes. no, wow. Not a scratch. And then there comes, right after that comes the marriage problem. And then oh. right after oh. that comes the breast cancer. Oh. <laughs> Three in one. And honey, yeah, my wait. God took I me wonder. through. I wonder, Ivette, there is a yes. saying that God never gives you more than you can handle. I, honey, child, I questioned him at that one. Trust me. <laughs> let me let me ask you this. Before we go on to um, the abuse and the breast cancer diagnosis, okay. um, you, you mentioned God quite a bit. Just tell me a little bit about that relationship you have with God. Like, have you been a Christian since you were very young? I know many of us. I'm from Jamaica as well. And we start our church very young, and some of us stay and some of us wander away. So what was your early um, church beginning? Like, did you start as a child, and, or did you later on just dedicate your life to God? Because you talk about him quite a bit. <laughs> I, my mom took us to church from the day we could walk or have sense enough, we go to church. My mom raised us in church, and when I was 10 years old, I got baptized. And then when I, about, when I was about 18 years old, I backslide. Not living a bad life, just not going to church anymore. And then when I came to the United States, when my mom died 20-something years ago is when I went back to the Lord. I always go to church with her on Easter and Christmas, but when my dear precious mom died, she said to me in the hospital taking her last breath, she said, you know what to do to see me again. I I buried my mother, and I went straight to church 20-something years now, and I don't have no intention of turning back because if for no reason I must see my mom again, we were very close. If for no reason I got to see my mom, 
and she's up there waiting for me to come. That's when I became a Christian, a full-fledged, born-again believer and fire for Jesus, and I have no intention, and no one or anything cannot let me deny my God or turn back. He has brought me too far, too far. Well, you know, that's wonderful, and and it's great that, for you, this is a great source of strength, and yes. having gone through so much, you, you look to God for your strength. Let's talk then about this abusive marriage. Where did you guys meet? Well, uh, when I left nursing school and started working at the hospital, um, I, I met another, it's another nurse at the hospital. We met at the hospital. And by then, my mom, that was I was in my early 20s, very early, in my early about 20s. 23 years old, 22 years old. And my mom was starting to have in her heart that heart condition from then. And um, I met him at the hospital. That's how we met. And I didn't want to, 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 to meet anyone or date anyone because I, I had devoted my life to take care of my mom. And, and I didn't want to meet anyone, but he was very persistent. And, and another nurse who knew her him for a long time before me said he's a good man. And then when I see how I'm struggling with my mom and I have to go to work and I have to leave her alone and this and that, I said maybe a helping hand would, would, would be good. And so he took me to breakfast, and from there on we become husband and wife. And, and I never knew about him until like 18, I remember. Well, wait, so, so wait, so you guys... How long did were you the, the whole courting before you got married? Two years. Two years. And during that two years, no sign of abuse. The perfect gentleman. Wow. And then the so perfect. you got married and think life is going years, well. Eighteen years after the marriage. That's then when the abuse began. Yeah, life was going well. We worked hard. We buy what we want. We buy every house and every car that we want. But he's always, always a cheater. But I didn't know. Cause remember, I was born and bred in the country, leave and come to the United States as a country look of mentality. My, that's the mentality I have. I, don't, I was never exposed out there. I don't know anything. So I, I put it this way. A con artist find an innocent little girl from the country in big America and took full advantage of it. That's how I put it. And you guys have married, though, for 18 years. You're, you're, you're no, no, no. 30, we were married for 35 years. It's well, but I'm talking eight. about before the abuse started. So when the abuse yeah. started at the 18 year So what, how did that start? Because all along you're doing fine, and then boom, what happened? I we moved to Florida because all my coworker was dying from cancer because I said, I don't want to die here from cancer. I'm moving to Florida. And I, we moved to Florida, and then... He started going out, going out, going out, going out, and, 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 and then he started disrespecting me and talked to me rough, and, and I said, something is wrong, and I treat him like a king. And, and that's when I started to investigate and investigate, and I found out a lot of stuff. We have a girlfriend here and girlfriend there, and the money not coming in the house to help with the bills, and you, you know something is wrong because he's mm-hmm. changed. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. changed. And, so and that's why I found did out. he... How did he put a hand to you the first time? Because was this physical abuse? He he is is more verbal, mental, and spiritual than physical. He okay. he, he grabbed me one time. He grabbed me and grabbed me, just mm-hmm. grabbed me like you would call up somebody, grab up my blouse like this. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, if you put your hands on me, you'll never see sunlight again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so. 
Many times he has grabbed me, yes. Many times he has grabbed me and shook the daylights out of me, yes. So I would say physical abuse, yes. Not so punched or knocked out with blood, not that time, but it is still physical, emotional, still, mental still abuse. Yes. yes. But you stayed, though. You stayed. So what was going through your mind when you stayed, and what went through your mind when you said enough is enough? Because there are many women out there who are in that situation, and they've stayed, and they don't know what the mindset shift needs to be for them to get out. So you stayed and you got out. So what shift did you make? I stayed because in my heart I love him. My cousin would say I love down to the floor he walks on. That's what she said. So I think that was love. I think it was, I call it love. For me it was love. After a while maybe it become insecurity and clinging after a while. Don't know how to leave because this is the only person you know. So I said, when you get older, I, I justify to myself, when you get older, you change because every man cheats. That's how I put it. And every man abuse. And so that's how I justified. And then when I end it now is when we both start working at the same place, a very exclusive retirement home. And he cheated with one of the coworkers. The three of us worked together. That's it. I said, no, this is too much. I can't do this. That's the one. That's the one that gave me breast cancer. I know it is the core pain. Oh no! <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh no! That's exactly how I put it. That's the one that gave me the breast cancer. That pain is something that is undescribable. You hear me? Oh, oh boy. So you know what oh, yes, we're going to do? This is what we're going to do. So you know our listeners have to stay with us because this is too interesting and too exciting. So we are going to actually end part one of our interview. And we're going to end it right here with a cliffhanger. And next week we're going to continue with part two. And at part two, Ivette is going to finish telling us, because she had to tell us how that worked, that her husband and her are working at the same place, and he has a girlfriend there. And, you know, I, I know there are listeners who can relate to this. So we'll talk about how that marriage dissolved, how she finally walked away. And we'll also talk about her battle with breast cancer. And then we're going to move on to where she is today because, as I said, I think this is such an amazing and inspirational story that later in life this woman gets up, even walks away from a nursing career and became an actor, is doing so well in acting, modeling. If you've seen, and I'm going to put up the post uh, to show that Rite Aid commercial that she's in is all over. And it's in New York. It's everywhere you go. And I see it, and I go, that's Ivan. And I think this <laughs> is so wonderful. So you listeners, you have to join us for part two of this interview. You do not want to miss it because, like I said, there are lessons. You know, Ivan and I were talking about this at the beginning. Many times when we live our lives, the things we go through is not for us. It's for someone else. So, Ivan, we are going to cut here. And we're going to start up part two of our interview, and our listeners are going to listen in and, and catch the rest of your story. All right? Yes, because the best part is yet to come. I love it. All right, so listeners, we will catch you guys next week with the second half of Ivette's wonderful and inspirational story. You have been listening to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. on 1570 AM WIGO. Please tune in every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the best in inspirational health information. If you have missed any part of this broadcast, would like to find out more about Dr. Diane A. Thompson, or would like to receive her ebook on stress, 
please go to drdianethompson.com. That's drdianethompson.com. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash drdianeathompson. Remember, your health is your wealth. So do something healthy for yourself. Have a great evening.